Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, today we're going to be talking about the, um, well, you could call it the opioid crisis, but that's kind of silly. Um, because, you know, is there just opioids running everywhere and people are just scooping them up by, by hand? No, that's not true. What is, is this is the utter failure of the medical system to care for some of the most common ailments with anything other than medic, uh, medications. So we're going to focus in today on low back pain. And thank goodness this is the first talk I've done in a long time without measles in the title. So this is uh, way more fun. So what we're going to look at is the real cause and the real solution to back pain. And I know it sounds crazy, but I was looking through all the data points in over 900 different talks. I haven't done one talk on back pain. Uh, so here we go. What's the intelligent approach? Now, knowing that 80% of the population is going to experience a severe back pain uh, at one time in their life, and we're talking between 20 and 50%, depending on the numbers, have a problem now. Um, you know, just, just uh, occasional back pain. Well, aside from the, the problems of pain, think of this. It's a clue that there's a problem, that the body's not functioning correctly. So the most common cause of back pain is looking for the mechanical source. So looking for the misalignment, looking for the discompression, looking for the past trauma. See, 90% of the nerves that come off the spine, there's no pain fibers. So if you had that trauma, that football accident when you were a teenager, you fell off the swing when you were seven, um, and, and, and we'll see this in patients where they'll have bunion formation. They come in when they're like 30 years old, and they have difficulty getting pregnant. And then um, looking at it, and they have had bunion formation since their late teens. <clears throat> then you find out that they fell on their butt off of a swing or off a slide or cheerleading or off a fence or something, damaging the pelvis, and they had difficult menstrual cycles their whole life. So you start connecting the dots that the trauma, that the mechanical distortion of the structure can have a negative effect on the function. I know that seems basic, but if you compromise the nerves that exit the spine that supply an organ system, that system is going to be altered. So number one, if you have any type of pain, thank God you got the pain and look for the mechanical cause. Look for the actual cause. And so the solution is to resolve the cause. I know that seems odd, but let's say that you have a whiplash trauma with the, and gives you a reverse curve in the neck. How do you fix that? You restore the curve in the neck. And, and so it's hugely important when you understand that a mechanical problem requires a mechanical solution. And if you're using um, uh, symptoms to guide your care, realize that 90% of the nerves that exit the spine have no pain fibers. That means you're not aware of them, that they have other functions. And look for the secondary effects of chronic pain. And this is something, like if you've been um, in chronic pain for day in, day out, year in, year out, your body is going to start to respond in a stressed state. So what does that mean? High blood pressure is going to be uh, a factor. High cholesterol, type 2 diabetes, blood supply to the gut is going to be shut down. So you're looking at inflammatory bowel diseases. All of these can be the end result of a stressed state. 
So this is not anything that you should just be, um, you know, willy-nillying around. You have to look for the actual cause, particularly when you're looking at autonomic dysfunction. And that's what happens when you're in a chronically stressed state. So you have this automatic nervous system. One part keeps you alive under stress. That's called the sympathetics. The other part regenerates tissue. That's the parasympathetics. So when you're in a stress state or a painful state, heart rate elevates, blood pressure elevates, blood sugar elevates, cholesterol elevates, and all of these are intelligent responses by the body needing this extra energy towards those systems. But also, blood supply to the gut shuts down, and sleep patterns are changed. So how do you fix it? Well, number one, uh, and this is, and, and I'm going to give you the absolute approaches on how to fix it. First, you need to get stress and static x-rays of the whole spine. Why the whole spine? Well, because you got a 12 to 15 pound head. If you have loss of curve in the neck and the head is forward or laterally deviated off to the side, that's going to put an abnormal force loading on the pelvis. And remember, 90% of the nerves that exit the spine, there's no pain fibers. So if you're practicing incredibly stupid care, which now you got to think the chiropractic colleges today, 86% are trying to be involved in the medical system, a completely dysfunctional field system, by the way, but they're going along with it so that they can, um, I don't know, prescribe drugs or be glorified medical doctors. They're forgetting their roots of what a chiropractor does. A chiropractor assess and corrects vertebral subluxations, and a subluxation is a bone that's out of place in relationship to the vertebrae above and below, altering mechanics, altering proprioception, and altering the, the function of the nervous system in that area. And you can only see that from an x-ray. And you can do nerve scans to identify that the body's under stress state. That will also work. But also, when you're looking at this, 50% of lumbar issues, and this is the low back issues, are coming from the cervical spine. So you have got to rule that out if you're going to do appropriate case management. And the key is not just looking at the segment. So if you have somebody with a disc injury at the base of the spine, such as um, in the, the base of the spine, the low back is also called lumbar. And there's generally around five lumbars in most people. Some people have four, some people have six. Um, but at the base of the lumbar spine, right at the top where it rests on the pelvis, the sacrum, um, that is a, a very common area for injury. The problem is the doctors that are looking for injury in that area, they're not looking at why. And so you have to look at what the cause is. And the key of correcting it is actually changing the brain's awareness or what's called proprioception. And then you have to restore all the altered mechanics. You're talking, you have to stabilize the pelvis. You have to correct um, foot biomechanics. You have to change sitting procedures. You have to give exercises for sitting. And then once you've done that, so you've got, identified the problem, uh, you're looking at the entire spine. You've changed proprioceptive firing or how the brain is positioned in awareness. And we're going to detail out how to do all of this stuff.
You've restored uh, the altered mechanics because if your back is off, you're talking your your gait. Every time you take a step, that's going to be off. Uh, when you sit, you're going to be leaning forward or off to the side. You, once you've restored the altered mechanics, then you take a post x-ray to document the structural changes that were made and what still needs to be made. Because you've got to figure, if you're reshaping someone's structure, you've got to make sure that you've changed the part. You can't do this by guesswork. And then you prescribe exercises for sitting, walking, sleeping. So you have to look at the entire spine. Now, I'm going to be showing a couple of x-rays of patients that have come in that have altered spinal structure. And I'm going to describe about bending films. See, when you're having a standard person that, that's standing up and you're bending the body to one side and bending the body to the other side, that's an accurate assessment. Um, uh, MRIs are not an accurate assessment. Why? Because an MRI, if they're done laying down, you're going to have altered biomechanics. But also inflammation can distort the MRI, but the body position can distort the MRI. So a standing weight-bearing stress x-ray, that means you're standing and you're bending to one side, but you're isolating the low back. And that's why it has to be done accurately. Uh, a standard radiologist is not going to have his hands on your pelvis bending you down. Then when you recruit the pelvis, then he says, stop and let's take a picture. Now, what you're also going to see is loss of the normal curves. Now, you have a curve in the neck that's called a lordotic curve, and you have a curve in the lumbar that's also called a lordosis. And then you have an outside curve of the spine called a kyphosis. Now, here's the thing. When you have normal curves in the spine, the spine is, is just fantastically resistant to trauma. The problem is we're sitting a lot. So what does that do? That flattens out the curve in the low back, predisposing it to injury. Also, we're having a number of whiplash traumas. Imagine if you're just sitting still and you go from sill still to 60 miles an hour in about 45 seconds, and then you go from 60 miles an hour down to still in about 10 seconds, so you, that head is going to be forward and backwards. And let me tell you, that's just driving down Beach Boulevard. So how you correct it is you have to have the patient in what's called the prone position. And this is for all the chiropractors out there with abdominal suspension. So think of this. Loss of curve in the low back is going to be a contributing factor because it's going to be forcing the disc material um, towards the back where the nerves are. Um, so the correct position is to lay a patient face down with their pelvis suspended. So you're isolating the pelvis with the lumbar. And it'll make a lot of sense when I show the pictures tonight. But that pelvis suspension creates a negative pressure on the front of the disc, which literally starts to open up that disc material and move it from the back where the nerve is up to the front. Uh, now, if you can isolate that lumbar area and distract, okay, that's creating a negative pressure, and you're literally going to start to have those discs imbibe with fluid. Now, this is super important because discs get their nutrients through movement. Discs have a horrible blood supply. And when you understand that, then you know that discs get their nutrients through movement. So appropriate movement is vital. 
but also you have to con change proprioception or the brain's awareness of the body. Now, you don't have conscious control of the muscles that run down either side of the spine. They increase in tone under the brain's awareness of itself, and that's proprioception. Um, proprioception is a sense of self-movement or body position. Some people call it the sixth sense, but it's actually how your body is supposed to move. Now, what we do, since there's been long-term trauma and altered mechanics, by laying you face down, we have to change proprioception, which means we're going to be contacting an area. Let's take the low back, for instance, and we bend you off to the side. Now, the muscles, once we bend you off to the side, we're creating a concave or um, an inside portion of a curve, and we're also creating a convexity or an outside portion of the curve. Now, the way the body's supposed to work is the muscles on the inside part of the curve are supposed to be relaxing. However, under altered mechanics, like long-term low back issues, you're going to feel abhorrent firing. What that means is that when you bend, the muscles are firing in a completely abnormal sense. And that is a factor of proprioception. So this has been a defense mechanism by your body to develop these abhorrent um, movements. And that abhorrent movement is going to perpetuate a problem, but it's literally a defense mechanism by your body. So to correct the actual problem, you have to change proprioception. And how that's done is what we do. We have a patient in the prone position laying face down under abdominal suspension and will identify by bending to the right and bending to the left abnormal firing. And we'll do a 10 cycle a second vibration on the inside portion of the curve in order to relax the ligaments. And we'll vibrate traction, vibrate traction, vibrate traction until we get an appropriate firing of those paravertebrals. That means we've literally changed proprioception. Then we're going to be doing a drop, um, which was developed by uh, Thompson back in the 30s. And this drop mechanism causes an increase in um, inflammation. Inflammation is how the body heals itself. And you'll literally see a change in proprioception almost immediately. Now that you've done that change in proprioception and you've caught it, so the person can bend to one side and bend to the other side while they're laying face down. Now, if there is a lateral deviation or a sideways bend, you adjust them in what's called a side posture. And this is for everybody out there that understands a chiropractic adjustment. Now, a lot of chiropractors don't understand chiropractic adjustments. Um, there's some physical therapists that understand it a little. There's a, a very few osteopaths. But Dr. Still, when he was, who started osteopathy, um, he was a fantastic manipulator. And this is the difference between uh, osteopathy and chiropractic. Um, osteopaths manipulate, where they're moving the body in a way to release the pressure on the nervous system to restore blood flow. A chiropractor is going to do a specific adjustment to release pressure off the nervous system and allow the body to heal itself. What I'm talking about now is to do a mechanical action to change proprioceptive behavior or the brain's awareness of itself. So now you're going to lay the person on their side without torquing or twisting the body, and you're going to do the same force loading. 
And this is the key. Think of this. The person's laying face down. You do a force loading, change proprioception. Lay him on the side. You're going to do the same force loading, but the brain's in a different position. Then you're going to lay them in the supine position and do the same force vectoring. So prone side posture and supine positions literally change that brain's awareness of it. Uh, of the body's position in space. Then you have to do correct exercises, um, such as um, restoring the normal movement of the foot, because when you've had long-term low back issues, you're talking bunion formation, flattening of the feet, altered foot biomechanics. So you have to restore normal, what's called dorsiflexion. And that means the toe is going up. Uh, typically in, low in lumbar in issues, that um, the pelvis is going to also be unstable. Why? Because of the altered biomechanics. So you have to stabilize the pelvis. Typically, we're going to use what's called a trochanter support, which really, really helps stabilize that pelvis. Most cases, the trochanter support only needs to be used for about three to four weeks tops. Then we'll give lumbar restoration exercises, such as a modified cobra exercise. Now, we do have a list of seven questions, and this is, it's online, like if you go to YouTube and type in Bergman and seven questions to find a corrective chiropractor, um, and all you got to do is find somebody that says yes to five of them. So number one, do they take x-rays? Fantastic. If they do, then they're not working blind. And it doesn't mean that, that a chiropractor that says yes to five or more of these questions is a good chiropractor and somebody that doesn't is not. It, it doesn't mean that a corrective chiropractor is right and that other chiropractors are wrong. It's a different focus. It's like a difference between a dentist and an orthodontist. Okay, you can get a good cleaning from a dentist, but if you got some real problems, you got to go to the orthodontist. Well, the same way with a chiropractor. If you want a good adjustment, just about every chiropractor is going to be able to do some good work on you. Um, if they're using ultrasound, electric stim, and they're not adjusting the spine specifically to restore normal brain-to-body connection, that's not a real chiropractor. It's somebody that didn't learn how to adjust. So listen to these seven questions. And it was interesting. Uh, I actually had talked to a chiropractor from the Chicago area once, and he had just been on the board for a while, chiropractic board, and he says, you're telling me that if I don't answer yes to these seven questions that I'm not a good chiropractor? And I said, well, Doc, let's look at it. Okay, number one, do you take x-rays? Well, of course I take x-rays. Okay, good. If you take x-rays, then fantastic. At least you know what you're working on. If not, you're working blind. Second question, do you get listings off of the x-rays? That means you're actually utilizing them to find out where to adjust. Next, do you take post-x-rays to document the structural changes that you made? Uh, again, he was agreeing with me. He said, well, yes, I can see that. Okay, now, are your treatment goals to reshape and restore the natural curves of the spine? Um, they better be, because if your treatment goal is pain reduction, then you are not working within appropriate parameters to restore health. Remember, 90% of the nerves that come off that spine, there's no pain fibers. So if you're using pain as a guide to show that you've helped the person, that is uh, a really piss-poor guide. You have to look at some objective analysis. Uh, we utilize nerve scans and post-x-rays to literally document that you're fixing the problem. 
Then question four. So we got, do you take x-rays? Do you get listings off of the x-rays? Do you take post-x-rays to document structural changes? Fantastic. Are your treatment goals to reshape and restore the natural curves of the spine? So that means they're looking beyond symptoms. Are you familiar with correcting disc injuries? That should be essential. Do you do work on post-surgical patients? Again, that denotes a level of skill. And can you reverse arthritis? Now, that, the most common type of arthritis, is osteoarthritis. It's also called degenerative disc disease. It's also called degenerative joint disease. Okay, and we know from every biomechanic book out there that it's not a disease, even though it's called it. That's a um, mechanical adaptation. It's literally a non-inflammatory adaptation to trauma. So this is osteoarthritis is literally a result of trauma. So now, that's how you fix it. Let's look at the, um, the other aspects. When you look at clinical radiology, um, and this is out of 2008, because a lot of people, it, surgeons in particular, look at an MRI as gold. Uh, however, this one looked at the difference in positioning of, an, of a weight-bearing MRI versus a, um, the typical supine position. And they found, listen to this, supine, this means they're laying on their back, uh, MRI is routinely used in the assessment of low back pain and radiculopathy. However, image findings often correlate poorly with clinical findings. You bet they do. Why? Because of the difference in weight-bearing. That's why a weight-bearing stress x-ray is absolutely the best um, to assess a mechanical distortion. Also, realize that discs are alive. And, and believe me, I've had several discussions with surgeons, <laughs> one surgeon in particular, orthopedic guy, who was my patient. And, and I had to walk him through Discs are alive. What? They're alive? Yes, doc, discs are alive. They're alive? Okay, and, and when, when you get this conversation, you think, my God, what kind of training do you have? So you have to walk people through, okay, is, if it's not alive, is a disc dead tissue? Well, I never really thought about it. Okay, so now let's look at it. A disc is a ligament. It's 80 interconnecting rings of ligamentous tissue. And it is alive. It's living tissue. And if you can restore normal biomechanic, normal movement, then that disc can produce proteins, eliminate waste products. It does everything that living cells can do. So discs can regenerate. Now, most of the time, spinal de decompression, I'm not a fan of. Okay, why? Because if you're just actually decompressing, you're just stretching the body, that'll feel good. It's actually pretty good. Um, like if you've seen those inversion tables, uh, if you're not a standard American diet and you take absolutely no drugs, that's fantastically beneficial. If you are on a standard American diet and you are taking medications, I definitely would not recommend going upside down because that means your blood is toxic. And never, ever, ever lay on your back with both your legs bent. Never, ever do that. Why? Because when you're laying on your back with your legs bent, you're flattening out the disc, you're reversing the disc, and you're opening up the holes where the nerves come out that supply the body. Um, so so you, it's going to feel good, but it is the worst position. 
we're going to go over a number of different sitting exercises. One of them is to take a liter water bottle, put it um, horizontal on the spine. The bottom of the water bottle is the bottom of the elbows. And, and I'm going to demonstrate a couple of different ways. You can do a rolled up towel, a foam piece, but typically the bottom of the elbow is the bottom of where the, the, the foam piece or water bottle go. Also, looking at the chairs that you're using, a foam, um, a ball chair is going to be one of the best. Look at movement and stabilizing the pelvis. That's going to be the key. Now, it's interesting, and one of the reasons I came up with this talk is because I heard of an absolutely insane action. We know we got an opioid crisis in America, which is not a crisis. It's just an utter failure of the medical system to deal effectively with a mechanical distortion using an addictive substance. Well, it turns out the World Health Organization is going to start to promote opioid use. Um, why? Because of <laughs> the, the drug companies want to sell their product to the world. Now, if we look at Purdue Executive, now these are the guys that did the oxycodone, the hydrocodone. Back in 2001, what they told Congress, quote, addiction is not common, addiction is rare in the pain patient who is properly managed. Um, okay, that's what they're telling Congress. So the World Health Organization, um, and this is going back to 2012, so about six, seven years ago, um, it, this is the title of their briefing, Access to Controlled Medications, uh, Developing WHO Clinical Guidelines on Page Management. Okay, now listen to this. Um, there's need for greater awareness in policymakers and healthcare professionals that the general public to dispel the fear that opioids uh, such as opium and morphine will produce harm to patients and society by causing dependence. Fear of the risk of becoming dependent upon medical treatment is unfounded. Yeah, I just said that. The, the fact that you open up every newspaper, every um, article, uh, just about daily, you're going to see opioid crisis in America. And this is saying fear of risk of depending dependent upon a medical treatment is unfounded. I mean, just come on. Okay, now, understand the United States has 4.6% of the world's population, and we consume 80% of the global opioid supply and 99% of the world's hydrocodone supply. Well, luckily, with the drug manufacturers um, selling them through the World Health Organization, the world will catch up to us, honest to goodness. I mean, it, it, this sounds like a bad Saturday Night Live episode. I mean, okay, look at Vioxx. Okay, Vioxx was approved in 1999. It was pulled off of the shelves in 2004. And in that five years, it killed between 60 and 100,000 people. However, the profits were about $2.9 billion. Uh, this is what blew me away, because I do international consults around the world. And I was talking to a guy in Asia, and he was taking this drug called Arcoxia. And I thought, gee, I never heard of that. Let me look it up. So I look it up. It's Vioxx. The drug that's banned by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration is now utilized by the rest of the world, even though it massively, you're talking doubling the risk for heart attack and stroke. 
We can also look at the medical mismanagement of a mechanical distortion, like back pain, neck pain, using non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Cardiovascular problems, congenital heart failure, allergic reactions, miscarriages, atrial fibrillation, all from the use of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Um, when we look at surgery as an option, according to the Journal of Spine, okay, this says there's very little evidence that spinal fusion surgery for back pain is effective. Uh, let's look at the Journal of Spine again, 2008. Although there are multiple surgical options for the treatment of chronic low back pain, there is insufficient evidence to draw any firm conclusions as to the effectiveness of clinical outcomes. It turns out surgery doesn't work. And in fact, they have a billing code called failed back surgery syndrome. And when you look at it, uh, it's interesting to talk about the success rate. And we're going to go over how the doctors will say 98% success rate. Why? Because they knock you out, they wake you up 98% of the time, and you're, you're alive. Okay, but then if you look at beyond five years, if you look at pain, if you look at workman's compensation, you're talking success rate is less than 20%, 29%. So we're going to go over why failed back surgery. Um, and also, the number of surgeries are radically, radically increasing. Um, it, it, you may have heard epidurals. We're going to go over all of that. So let's look at the actual things that you can do. Knowing that there's a mechanical distortion, look for the mechanical solution. That's bottom line. If you're taking a chemical to cover up a symptom, that is not a good long-term solution. Let's start respecting our bodies. Now, this is going to be live on Facebook tonight, and it'll be on YouTube next week with all the facts, the data, and everything else. What I want you to do is respect Respect the symptoms your body gives you. Respect your body. You respect that, and your body will actually recover well. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.